0: just decomposes in a little plate and then I draw it in ink and I draw it in pencil. Then I might just for fun draw it in colored pencils or then draw it and then paint little watercolor washes over it. You know, sometimes I knit, I rarely watch TV mainly because I just don't know what to watch. And sometimes it'll take 45 minutes to select something to watch and then it's time to go to bed. So Anyway, sometimes I will cook something.
1: That's my mother, Margaret. Margaret is sitting in her sunny dining room on a cold January morning while our producer Marcel Malikibu sets up the recording equipment. And I am in my office in Phoenix, Arizona, in my pajamas, wondering when she will notice that I am on her computer screen
0: how are we doing here? Oh, I can see Nora now. Look at her. She's adjusting her microphone. She's a vision in pink. Look at that. Look at that. Nora, my um, pinkish hair has been kind of a hit with people. It's, it looks great. I just have to uh, rejuvenate it a little bit. Isn't the sound of your voice, doesn't it, surprise you? You think, I don't sound like that.
1: We're here because for Valentine's Day, I had an idea for an episode. Okay, Marcel, here is my idea. I want to find my mom a boyfriend. Okay. And I'm going to call the episode, Nora Needs a New Dad.
2: I don't know if your mom's boyfriend at this age would be your dad, though. I, I don't think you can have a new dad at your age, Nora. You just, you had one. He's no longer with us. Okay.
1: I'm sorry. Are you trying to tell me that at age 40, I can't have a new father in my life?
2: I think forty is the cutoff for a step parent. (laughs) Like it's just a complete technicality. It's not even a step parent anymore. It's just your mom's boyfriend.
1: Oh, and if I so if I would have done this five years ago, I could have had a dad.
2: Yeah, maybe like a cool dad. Like yeah, almost like an older brother dad. Like she'd have to date a dude that was like fifteen years her junior. And then <laughs> and then no. he'd be like a cool older brother that you call dad, but it's like dad with a wink.
1: No, I want I want an older. I want an, I want a man my dead dad's age, the age my dad could be to uh you know, I don't know. I don't even remember what dad's do, but I just know. I just know I, I just know I want one.
2: You want a man of wisdom?
1: Yes. Yes. So I asked my mom, I texted her if she was open to this idea and she said she had to think about it. And a few days later she texted and said, what will this entail? And I replied and said, I don't know, because as you could possibly surmise from my conversation with Marcel, I don't know. My mom also warned me that she had limited availability. She had lots of plans, and the only date that would work for her was 8.30 a.m. her time on a Monday morning. I'm like, no, no, no. I, have a, I don't sound like an eighth grade boy. No. I like my... No, no, no. no. I have a great voice. Every time I hear my voice, I'm like, who's that boy teetering into puberty? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just about ready now. At, right in there. At least you won't need you know? hormones, Nora. I won't. I mean, maybe I will. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Nobody knows how hormones work. Nobody even knows what hormones are. Well, my um, my
0: high school biology teacher did. Oh, She taught us all about it. I'm sure it.
1: mine did too. Yeah. I
0: had
1: a great, I had a great biology teacher. BioBob. BioBob. <laughs> oh, I bet he really loved going into the biology of women. So one of the interesting things about taking biology with BioBob was that he had a uh, like little box that anyone could put questions in. Mm. Like we did, like in you know, a reproductive biology in 10th grade. Uh, and also, he, you could raise your hand and ask anything. And Kara raises her hand. Oh, no. A lot of problems. She goes, Do boys ejaculate every time they have an erection? And he goes, Oh, my, oh, my. I hope not. That would be quite a mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, oh, my. I hope oh, not. all
0: right. Let's. Let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are we doing today, Nora? What are we doing?
1: Well, so far we are talking about my own sex education in the Catholic school system, where more than one of my classmates thought that getting a boner meant that a bone slipped down into your penis <laughs> to make it hard. <laughs> but is this why we're here today? Uh, maybe. Maybe.
2: Wait a minute, a bone <laughs> slipping down into your penis is crazy. I don't even know functionally how that works.
1: More than one person in my high school submitted this question. <laughs> they thought a bone was just in your pelvis, a loose bone. <laughs> What's
2: <laughs> That's funny. I, I used to think that the vagina was just on the front of the woman's <laughs> body. <laughs> And it was like a hole you just inserted, like a like a chip card into. I was devastated when I realized you had to go do the up and under, the tuck under. Because I was like, "Yo, where's your shit at?" The first time I looked at the girl, I was like, "Yo, where the fuck is your?" I'm like, "What's wrong with this chick, man?" I was shook. I was was shook.
1: Right below the belly button,
2: just yeah. I thought it was just like. I don't know, four inches below the belly button. And it was just, I didn't realize it was a slit for one. So I thought it was a hole. I thought it was just literally like a hole on the front. And I'm like, so where's this shit supposed to go? Aww. So I can understand the confusion.
1: But, But during the interview, by the way, Marcel can't hear any
2: of this.
0: Marcel is very interested in this discussion. (laughs) He can't hear
1: what we're talking about.
0: (laughs) Thank goodness.
1: Okay. Thank goodness. Okay. Thank goodness. He'll hear it all when he edits this. But I want to ask you one of my favorite stories that you would tell me when I was little, which is, how did you meet my dad?
0: How did I meet Steve? Well, it's, it's kind of an interesting story because... I heard about Steve long before I actually met him. And the first time I heard about him was I was up at the cabin and one of my friends, Vicki Ryan, was there. And we were walking along the little dirt road to the cabin. And she was telling me about a letter that she got from Steve. And actually she had it with her. And there was a picture of Steve holding this little puppy And he had his, whatever, those little camouflage shorts on and no shirt, very tan. And she read the letter and they had to put the puppy down because it had distemper or something like that. And I think they obviously they must have met in high school and there were a lot of De La Salle guys that hung out with Regina girls. So that's when I heard about him, and then when I was at the U with Russ Belk and Ron McCoy and Michael Johnson and Jerry Bovair and a lot of other people sitting down in Kaufman, having coffee, they were all talking about how great it was going to be when Macker got home. And so I heard about him. They'd talk about him like he was some kind of legend. And maybe, you know, there were a lot of shenanigans in high school that would probably lead to that sort of comment. And then, I think it was in the summer, there was some kind of party, because he came home from Vietnam, and Dave Cordato and some other De La Salle guys had a band, and they rented Moline Hall, which was a union hall for Minneapolis Moline, and it was located where the target on Hiawatha and Lake Street is. That's where the Moline factory used to be, and the union hall. So they rented it, and they had a big party, and... Everyone was invited. So it was pretty crazy. And so I went. And um, my first sight of him was pretty funny. He had gone shopping with Russ Belk in downtown Minneapolis. And Steve said, Belk, what's everybody wearing these days? So they went down to the Rising Sun, which was kind of a head shop. I'm sure you know what a head shop is, Nora.
1: I didn't know until I think I was... In my mid-twenties, and you explained it to me. <laughs> so they went down there.
0: It was a, it was down on LaSalle, kind of uh, downtown. And they went in, and Belk said, of course, bell-bottoms. So Belk said, you don't need to try these on, because all you have to do is pick the jeans up by the waistband, and if, you know, when they're flat, and if you can put it around your neck, and they meet in the back, they'll fit you. So he bought a pair of brown bell bottoms, and he didn't try them on. And they were fine around the waist, but they came to, like, the middle of his calf. So they were, like, capri bell bottoms and combat boots or whatever, footwear. I think they call that a kick flare now. A kick flare. <laughs> Fashion forward from the beginning. That was Steve. So, yeah, it was just a drunken brawl. Uh <laughs> which was, of course, loads of fun.
1: So there was my dad, drunk and wearing flared capri pants, tanned and traumatized from his time in Vietnam. And there was my mom, young and beautiful and ready to party.
0: And then uh, I invited everyone to come over to 3733 Pillsbury Avenue South the following night And the party continued because it was a weekend and my mom and everyone else was up at the cabin and my dad was dutifully bringing a load of groceries up. So plugged in the Christmas lights. Everybody knew where it was. And um, yeah, that was uh, quite a summer. It just was um, nonstop action. (laughs) How old were you? Um, I think I was 19. I think I was 19 somewhere around that age, 1969. So yeah, just, just before I turned 20, I think.
1: So when did you start dating dad?
0: We never really called it dating back then. I don't know. That summer, we spent a lot of time together. We went to a drive-in one night with Jerry Bovair and two other Regina pals. And They didn't want to pay, that you didn't pay by the car or there was some limit or something. So two of us had to get in the trunk of the car before we drove into the drive-in movie. I just remembered that. Anyway, so I guess you, would you call that a date? I don't know. But he did show up. No, I would not call that a date. I would not call that, (laughs) I would call that a red flag. (laughs) Red flags had not really been invented back then. Um, But no, I do remember that he did show up at the house. Uh, He did come to the door, and I think it might have been like Belk and some other whatever in the car. And when he showed up, he had those camouflage shorts on, no shirt, and a pair of tennis shoes. And my parents actually let me walk out of the house. And I would say that was fairly generous, some would say unresponsible parenting, very trusting.
1: Again, another red flag. (laughs) Another, another red flag. He shows up shirtless to your parents' house (laughs) wearing free shorts, free shorts he got in Vietnam.
0: Well, he had just been in the jungle for 13 months, so, you know, you can't blame him. (laughs) It all turned out fine, though, Nora. Look, look, it all turned out fine, didn't it? Yes,
1: yes. It all, it did all turn out fine. Did all turn out fine. I would say, like, for all these red flags and the many more that were to come, um, like, he turned into what, I mean, how would you describe him as, was he a good husband? Mostly, mostly
0: a good husband. Mostly a good husband. He was loyal to a fault, not to a fault. Loyalty, I think, is probably one of the most important aspects. I can't think of the right word. That's what happens when you get old. You know the word you want to use and you can't find it. He was extremely loyal. He had a very strong moral compass. And I liked that. Um, cause I was just kind of free floating at that age. Um, yeah. And he was very responsible. Like he worked a lot of really crappy jobs After he graduated from the U, I mean, three jobs that he was not a businessman. He got jobs in business. I know he hated every minute of it, but he was determined to support the family because, I mean, I
1: freelanced a little bit during that time. But yeah, he was a good husband. A day after this conversation, my mom texted me concerned that she hadn't said enough good things about my father.
0: Steve and I had a lot of very different interests. We didn't spend all of our time together. But how do you experience or build a relationship with somebody new after you've been in this long-term relationship with somebody where you know each other so, so well that you know what works, what doesn't work. And then, you know, you don't have, you don't have enough time left to have like a long-term relationship with somebody. Maybe that's not the right way to put it, but I don't know. I don't know how I would build a new relationship with somebody because I was so used to my relationship with Steve and it was what I knew and I knew what to expect. And we had our, We had our little routines, Um, we had our fun together, we had our life together, and, and it worked for us, and that took a while to figure out. It probably took at least a good 10 years to really settle into marriage
1: and a life together. My dad died in 2014, just six weeks before my copycat husband did the same thing. So my mom and I were both widows. I had been with Aaron for four years. She had been with my dad for over 40. I was 31. My mom was, I think, 63. It's been over eight years at this point. I'm remarried and my mom is not. My mom has spent the past few years living her life really well. She's maxed out her visas in Italy and Ireland. She's been traveling and visiting friends and making new friends. She's taken up watercolor, as you heard at the top of the episode. She sold the house she lived in with my dad. She lived out of a suitcase for a while and finally got this little condo. She has her own routines. She goes to a gym where she does deadlifts and pull-ups. She's run half marathons. She sends elaborate birthday cards to her many grandchildren. She takes them on lengthy road trips where they just disappear and we have no idea where they are or where they're going. In other words, I think my mom is the best.
2: Yeah, your mom is dope. We uh, we actually connected on talking about vinyl records and jazz and stuff and... After being at her apartment and seeing her bird feeding situation, mm. I kind of want to get myself a little bird feeder.
1: Oh, yeah. She told me that too. She said, You are about to get into birds. And if I share your address with her, with your permission, she is going to send you a bird feeder. <laughs> so let's do it. So, how is dating different? In your sixties and now seventies. I mean, have you dated at all since Dad died? How would you define a date? I mean, have you have you gone out with anyone?
0: I've. I guess you'd call it a date. Um, Did he have a shirt on when he picked you up? Yeah, he was well dressed. Um, Is a friend of one of my former. Did you have to hide in a trunk? No, but that would have been pretty exciting.
1: All right, we'll be right back. So we're back and we are talking to my mother about dating in your 60s or her 70s, which is where she is now.
0: A friend of mine thought I should, air quotes, date a friend of hers who was a widower and she finagled or whatever. We we all met for coffee and I don't think he knew what was happening, but but it was fine. It was fine. We all, three of us chatted and then... Like three months later, we drove to Northfield and had lunch and came back and drove past the Buddhist temple somewhere that he knew about. Um, Then maybe a couple months later, we went to a movie. But, you know, you know what Bruce Springsteen says? You know, you've quoted that before. Can't start a fire without a spark. So, you know, he was nice. He was a nice guy. But, um, you know, I don't know. I just wasn't really ready to have a boyfriend and nothing it just n- never really went anywhere so he didn't drive after dark either which is really a hindrance to having any sort of relationship once you reach I would say late 60s early 70s. I don't like to drive in the dark I, I'm uh, endangering other people's lives actually so <laughs>
1: well, I love that I love I love that you know it I love that you're not gonna do it you know i do
0: it sometimes when i know when i'm familiar with the route you know uh and i know where i'm going uh, but otherwise i don't so yeah it's um it's a challenge the whole dating thing well summer summer is the time for old people to get together because you have a lot more daylight to experiment with <laughs> <laughs>
1: You have a lot more daylight. There's no ice on the road. Yep, yep. Okay, so Marcel, my mom did go out with this guy apparently a few times, and apparently more than
2: a few times,
1: and apparently without me even knowing.
2: First off, Nora, your mom does not need to explain to you who she's dating, okay? Your mother is a grown woman with grown <sighs> things going on in her condo.
1: That's true, but I am nosy. Nora. Do you remember when Q was born? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Marcel, you might know this. Q's my youngest child, so I do remember when he was born. I was there.
2: Well, I would hope so, unlike Madge forgetting that your birthday is December 28th. Yeah,
1: My mom can't remember my birthday, but I do remember giving birth. (laughs) All right.
0: So when you texted me or called me or someone said that you were on your way to the hospital, this gentleman X, we were at the Northrop King building at Open Studios. I'm like, dude, I got to go. I got to go. There's something really important going on here. So that was a long time ago. So intermittently over the ensuing years, we would get together with other people or, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like a dating situation He's very into music. He knows a lot, a lot, a lot about music. He worked in the advertising biz. God, I hope he never listens to this because (laughs) it would be horrible. I don't think he would, but I would, yeah. Anyway, that's, um, so he would call me sometimes or we'd talk about music. We'd talk on the phone. We We didn't see each other very often at lunch, maybe with, couple of other friends. It was just very a very casual sort of thing, you know. So I was walking at Wood Lake, um, which is a park close to where I live, and I had not indulged in any mind-altering substances during this walk. But as I was walking, you know how you're prone to thinking about things, and I thought, God, I wonder if X would want to just make out with me, you know. just Just that's all. Just like make out. That's, you know... Might be fun. So, interestingly, he called me that night or uh, whatever. He called me shortly thereafter. And I was a little stoned. Okay, I'll admit that, Nora. Please don't tell your siblings. Um, so, we were chatting. I had sent him a picture of my new receiver, which I was very excited to get because I wanted to be able to play records and listen to good music. And I was chatting and I said, God, X, it's really wonderful that you called. Because, you know, I was just thinking about you as I was walking the other day and I thought, I wonder if X would want to make out with me. And <laughs> There was silence on the other end of the line. And then the conversation resumed and we talked about a lot of things, which I really don't want to go into now. Anyway, so that was that. And, um. It was a free-floating conversation. So about a week after that, I didn't hear from
1: him. I am biased here, and I'm trying to be kind. But if my mother asks you if you want to make out, and you've been flirting with her for literally six years at this point, The answer better be yes. The answer better not be awkward silence. The answer is yes. You are going to go over to her little apartment and you're going to make out with her.
2: I mean, listen, man. uh, Madge is a strong woman. Solid woman. It could be intimidating. You know, she's like, hey, I'm not here to play games. And this guy is just, he's he's shook. Just the sheer aura is throwing off his entire... Chemical balance.
1: Oh, I think also it's throwing him off, but also like I've been in this situation. (laughs) I have shot my shot, as they say, (laughs) and it has fallen flat like a deflated basketball. Mm. I have. I don't want that for my mom. I do not want that for my mom.
2: So you think he's just not interested, or what's what do you think is going on with this guy?
1: I don't know.
0: I was cat-sitting for your brother, and I was listening to 88.5. It was a Friday night, because that's blues night. You know, you can't miss that Friday night. And I asked him if he would like to come over for dinner on Monday, blah, blah. It was... You know, he was very, always very flirtatious in our phone conversations. So, I mean, I might've been a little flirtatious, but I sent it off and like an hour and a half later he called and I was getting ready to go to bed because the following morning at seven o'clock I had to pick up my friend. We were going to a watercolor workshop, had to go to bed, had to get up early so I answer the phone and there's no hello or anything. It's this kind of mad voice that says, is this about sex? <laughs> and I, I, couldn't I laughed so hard. I just laughed so hard. I just said, I invited you over for dinner. I didn't ask. <laughs> I didn't ask you to start a family with me, you know, like.
1: (laughs) What a fucking weenie. He just
0: went on about, oh, because he had told me a while, you know, like maybe a year prior to this, like he was seeing someone that he went to grade school with or something. Some woman who had been married and her first husband was a jerk and then blah, blah. And then she got married again to a really nice guy and he died and she's had such a hard life. And I said, that's wonderful, but you know, we've all had a hard life. Anyway, whatever. But I, you know, I knew he had this sort of lady friend. He was like, I have to date this, uh, I have to date this other woman
1: because her life sucks worse. I
0: know. Yes. Sorry. And she invited me to her birthday party when we were
1: in fifth grade. No lie. Oh God, please. No, no. I Why would I tell somebody that you were afraid to have dinner with me because you thought I was going to try to have sex with you? Like, even though like, I mean, had you even like, like, had you hooked up at all? Like, had you made out anything? Never, never. Well, maybe when he was leaving
0: after we came home because Q was being born, I gave him a hug. I kissed him on the cheek. That was that. Boom, done. You
1: did have a little pep in your step when you arrived at the hospital. I will say, oh, I don't know if it was about the baby. Yeah,
0: it was definitely not about. <laughs> oh, anyway, so that's that's the extent. Oh, that Mom, is I'm the. So extent. sorry. Anyway, it's it's all right. It's all right. You know, it's a good story, Nora. It's a good story, and it never gets old. Never gets old.
1: Is this about <laughs> sex, you whore.
0: I gotta go I gotta be I gotta go this conversation is over I have to pick someone up at 7 in the morning
1: goodbye (laughs) (laughs) listen here you slut
2: (laughs) listen here you slut is so so crazy yo
1: okay so this is (laughs) it is a good story it is a good story it's a great story mom we'll be right back We're back, and I know so far you've heard about my parents' marriage, and you've heard about my mom's dating history as a widow, but we have not yet gotten to what I thought the point of this episode would be. So the point of this, I don't know if I explained this to you, but like, obviously I miss dad, you know, you miss dad, everybody misses dad. Terribly,
0: I do, at the most inopportune times, Yeah, you know? Just get set Yeah.
1: And you know what I like? I've always loved just being around parents, just in general, you know? But I miss like just having like a dad-ish presence around in our family. Mm-hmm. I wanted to call this episode Nora Needs a New Dad, and Marcel said, and I quote, that's fucking crazy.
0: <laughs> Marcel might be right on that. <laughs> also. I think the term boyfriend is so weird when you're 60 or 70. My man, my man friend. I don't need a boy. I need a man. You know,
1: like. A man who could drive at night. A man who could drive at night. All right. A man who, like, okay. So the point is, I just like, I like a fatherly presence. So, yes, this is about me. I think Austin needs a fatherly presence. I think. I think Megan could benefit from it. I think everyone could benefit, also you, from having a fatherly presence around us. We are lost. A, a,
0: we are- a father figure, I think that's the term you're looking for. As they- a
1: father figure. And I want you to have somebody around who's interesting, who's fun, who's smart, um, you know, it it, it – there's no way to replicate dad, but even if we could, I don't think that anybody is looking for somebody who's exactly like dad.
0: Well, no, you would never, you never look for somebody that's exactly like another person because what you want to do is take all their good qualities, ignore the things that drove you out of your freaking mind and just have this perfect person. And it'll, it, this new person will have their own things that drive you crazy. So, you know,
1: you just have to deal with it. Again, my mom wants you to know that my dad was great. He was a good husband to her. It's very important that you know that. And their marriage was, in a lot of ways, a good template for my own marriage. My parents each had their own lives. They had their own interests. They always fell asleep together at the same time after reading in bed beside each other. But they also took separate vacations because my dad liked to golf and my mom liked to stay in decrepit one-star hotels she found in the Yellow Pages and call it an adventure. But it doesn't matter what I want in a dad or a father figure or my mom's boyfriend. It matters what my mom wants. So what is Margaret looking for? A combination
0: of The humor and the intelligence and the presence of somebody like Stephen Colbert and then mix that in with Gabriel Byrne and his tortured, emotional, dark Irish looks, smoldering eyes, you know. And then you want somebody who reads that you can read things and talk about them and have great conversations and somebody that maybe could cook one or two things. But basically, I I thought about it recently you know how at night you just want someone to talk to about your day you just I just want someone to talk to at night like before you go to bed like hey how was your day I did this I did that that is probably the hardest time of day for me I need a pause I need to get some water can we do that for a second
1: yeah, I want you to stuff those feelings down. <laughs> okay. As soon as you get to a point of emotional resonance, stop. I know. that's okay. Well,
0: why not? Nobody wants stop. to listen to your mother like getting teary-eyed on your podcast.
1: I think Marcel could get you a glass of water. Okay. <laughs>
0: um, Marcel, you me grab me some water? in that cupboard right there. The right one. Yes, the right one. There's some glasses. She has one glass. No, she there's, has one glass only. There's 12 only. glasses. And then the the water right now is set on hot. They, this thing doesn't work. They don't allow us to have that. Oh, okay. So pull it down all the way down. There we go. There we go. Where'd you find this guy, Nora? Where'd you find Marcel? <clears throat> Through
1: a friend of a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Through a
0: friend of a friend. Marcel, do you know any elderly men that might like to chat with me sometime? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh... I, know, I actually know a lot of elderly men because I go to the YMCA and uh-huh. sit in the sauna and talk to a bunch of dudes. Jerry, Mike. Oh, I love cow, it. I think uh,
1: Steve. All right. We need Marcel to put some feelers out to, There we go. Okay. There we go. Yeah. And that'll be part two of this episode. Yeah. I'm also going to talk to Austin. I'm going to talk to Megan about this. And, uh, like, would you be open to, like, anyone, like, long distance? The only – in my opinion, the only long distance should be somebody who lives in the Phoenix-Scottsdale area. <laughs> of course. So, <laughs> Of course. Um, or who, like, winters down here. That seems like a good mix. Um, but you travel a lot. But, like, geographically, like, is this – are we looking for a Minnesotan Arizonan, does it matter? Do they live anywhere or? Um, probably
0: on one of Delta's main routes. <laughs>
1: okay. Yes. It's good. So I could get some miles. So
0: I could get some miles. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't want, I don't think I need someone to, I would never live with another person, another man, mm. just because it's been what, eight years. I have developed kind of new routines and, you know, that suit me and they might not suit another person, you know. Um,
1: Like what? What's so crazy?
0: Well, when you live alone, you know, you, there's no pressure or there's no other person to kind of modify what you, the times you do things. Like sometimes I'll stay up really, really late. I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to like get up earlier in the morning, um, which I only do. Like I I would say I probably have like three basic days, like two days. I get up really early, like quarter to six, which is early. Um, That's very early. And I go to the gym and then I have the rest of the day to do whatever I want to do. And then Sunday is Sunday. I usually meet Belk and some other people at St. Albert's at 930 Mass. And then we have coffee afterwards. And that's kind of a really nice routine. That's, that's become kind of important to me. And then there's the other, the other days where I just get up at whatever time I want to get up and do whatever. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think I would live with another person. Besides, this apartment is too small for that.
1: Let the record show it's a two-bedroom. Let the record show it's a (laughs) two-bedroom.
0: Let the record show it's just shy of 1,200 finished square feet.
1: Yeah. Let the record show that my family of uh, two adults and three children currently in our house, our house is only 50% larger than that. (laughs) And we fit five people, And two dogs.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, you don't need a lot of room, actually. This is just fine for me. I don't need a basement. I don't need an attic. I, uh, yeah. So location, I don't know if it's the right person. You know, does location matter in the beginning? Things can change. Things always change. Right? This probably is not going to be the last place that I live. Although my sister did say to me when she came over to help me hang some art on the walls, she said, this is the last place I help you hang art on your walls.
1: <laughs> um,
0: have you tried to meet anyone at church? Is there anyone at church? No, there is no one there. There is no one there. And okay. also the whole thing about, um, well, I have a friend that has used um, various online yeah. dating things. And yeah, it, I mean, I'm not criticizing anyone it's not for me yeah in my opinion
1: yeah, i don't like i don't like the i don't like the online shopping for people aspect of it very much i agree
0: and it's like i have looked at the it's 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 like a very shallow pool to me um also to, i mean i know this is sort of old fashioned but and i know women now can like take the initiative like what is it one site where women take the Make the first move, whatever, and that's fine, and I did when I asked someone if they wanted to make out with me,
1: okay, I tried that yeah, look look, <laughs> look where that got look you. where
0: that got me, um okay, so I think in my mind, it's like, oh, you put your picture pictures, and you know you try to describe yourself so, and i all all I picture in my mind is somebody walking down the aisle of a grocery store with their cart, like looking at this cake mix or that cake mix, and going oh, that one looks good. I think I'll try that one. And it's like, I don't want to be a cake mix in a grocery store. You know, you know, I don't know back way, way, way back when. And you know this too, like when you're in college, you meet people because you and your friends gather in places where other groups of people gather. And that changes
1: as you get older Everything changes as you get older, although I think everything just changes, period, constantly, constantly. We have a junior in college, and he told me everyone on campus walks around with their AirPods in staring at their phones, so they're not even available to have a little meet-cute. They're not even, you know, available to just run into somebody and have a cute little exchange and meet someone that way. My mom left me even more voice memos after we talked because there's always more to say, And for me, it always comes after I'm done talking.
0: One thing about dating or meeting someone after you've been with someone for 50, almost 50 years, we met in 1969. Steve and I met in 1969. It's like when you've been with somebody for that long, you you fall into a sort of... I wouldn't say routine, but you have your life together. You know, and I won't say that I want someone to sit in bed and read, but that was probably one of the most wonderful times. Like, Steve and I would sit in bed, he'd be reading his book, usually a biography of somebody, um, and I'd be reading something, and then he'd say, listen to this, and then I'd put my book down, and I'd say, why don't you just read to me? You know, and then he'd read, and you know, it was just like, That's what I like to do at night now, too, is like sit in bed and read or write in a journal or whatever. And it's like just that time where you're just kind of winding down and, you know, sharing thoughts about whatever you did that day or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So that's like, yeah, sometimes you just want someone to talk to at night.
1: Yeah. That's my favorite thing, too. I love the boring parts of being with someone most.
0: What's the it's They're not They're not boring. They're ordinary. They're the ordinary parts of life. You know, it's, you know, everything can't be exciting. Anyway, so. Yeah,
1: if if you and dad taught me anything about marriage, it was that. I remember being like in my 20s and dad was very concerned I would never get married and I would die alone. And he was like, (laughs) what do you think? What do you think? Everything's romantic? Jesus Christ. Most of it's not romantic. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: find someone you like enough, someone to share your life with, and then you share it. Yep. Okay. Then
0: you share it. Then you just keep going. You keep going there. Okay. You
1: find work that supports your life. Yeah. And then you just do it. Yeah. You and, just do it. And, so and
0: everything else is
1: gravy. Everything else is gravy. I know there is no guy who's going to step in and be my dad, that this man is not going to know me at all, that I'll just be his lady friend's witty, beautiful, charming, wonderful, one of a kind daughter. But maybe not. Maybe I'll actually be the daughter he never had, the daughter who is actually better than the daughter he does have. Maybe. I kind of thought that I would spend this episode building up to a call to action where I tell all of you scour the earth. Or the parts of the earth that are on Delta's direct connections to the Minneapolis St. Paul Airport. Scour them for a handsome, interesting older man from his late 60s to mid 70s who is smart and funny and clever and handsome and well read and who likes to travel and would like to make out with my mom and not be offended if she sends him a vaguely flirtatious text message. And if you have a candidate, I obviously want to know about them. If you are a candidate, You have a leg up because you already listened to this podcast, which my mom does not, so you can tell her all about it on your first date. But maybe that's insane.
2: That's definitely insane.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's all insane. Do you know why it's insane? Because my mom has a really great life. She's not moping around waiting for a guy who can drive at night who's not afraid to go to second base. She's out there doing her thing. Right now, she is in Northern California. She took a cross-country road trip with her sister. I had to beg her to share her location with me on Find Friends and call me at night, and she only did it two out of the nights that she's been gone. (laughs) She won't even reply to my phone calls. She is out there doing her thing, and sometimes her thing is going to Europe and not even telling us about it so that her kids find out about her whereabouts uh, on Instagram. And sometimes her thing is that she rips pages out of The New Yorker and sends them to me so we can talk about the story later. It is nuts because my mom has a good life and she had to work to make that life possible and she still has people to share it with. But I also want her to have the gravy and I want someone to know that she is the gravy. Someone beside her kids. I mean, she is... The gravy. She's so funny and interesting. I could literally cry about it. I, I honestly might right now. And Valentine's Day is always about romantic love. But I really think that what this episode is about is just that I love my mom so much. <laughs> I love my mom so much. She has done such a good job with all of us kids. And I mean, imagine raising four kids in the 80s and the 90s. Oh, dark times, dark times. (laughs) Like, I don't know, my mom did such a good job with all of us. My mom is such a lovely, wonderful person, and I just love her. She's not alone this Valentine's Day. She's with her sister and her brother, and maybe she'll answer my phone call, and maybe she won't, but I know that she's gonna send beautiful, creative, wonderful Valentines to my children, and, even though she does not listen to this show. I love you, Mom.
0: And Marcel kindly got me a glass of water. That was my strategy when Dad was in the hospital, in the ICU. Every time I got choked up, I'm like, I'm just going to turn around and have a drink of water, and I will not turn into... A puddle on the floor. So, strategy. (laughs) Strategic. (laughs) Tactic, right? Or is that
1: a tactic? That's a tactic, not a strategy. That's a tactic. It's not a strategy. (laughs) Okay? You work in advertising long enough, you should know that. This has been terrible. Thanks for asking. I'm Nora McNerney.
2: I'm Marceau Malikibu.
1: And this is Feelings & Co. We are a little independent production company making this podcast and working on several others. You can support our work and this show, honestly, just by listening to it. This is very, very helpful by rating and reviewing it, sharing it with a friend or an enemy. Um, <laughs> and if you want to get... <laughs> If you want to get ad-free episodes or bonus content or just help us make this work possible, you can go to ttfa.org premium. You can always call us. We take questions, concerns, um, compliments, and complaints at 612-568-4441. Or you can email us, terrible, at feelingsand.co. And if you are a man who wants to date my mom, if you know a man who wants to date my mom, you can reach out, but you know, um, you you could reach out. You could reach out. Again, it's crazy of me, but you could reach out.
2: Keep it classy.
1: Yeah. Marcel's Marcel's looking. Marcel's looking in the sauna at the YMCA.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not too hard, because some of them old dudes need help. Maybe <laughs> Yo, you gotta limit your time in those saunas because some of those dudes, it's like.
1: It's cr- like...
2: <laughs> one, time, one time I had to logic complaint. <laughs> Do not stretch. It clearly says you must wear a swimsuit and no active stretching. <laughs>
1: worked at a YMCA in high school. I got so many, I was a 16-year-old girl, and I would get complaints that were like, okay, there's a there's a naked man. (laughs) I was like, what do you want me to do? I'm a 16-year-old girl. You want me to go in and regulate on, you know, Bernard who won't put his trunks on in the (laughs) sauna?
2: Bernard is in there for at least 90 minutes a day. Yeah. Bernard is shaving every square inch.
1: Bernard's not dating my mom.
0: <laughs> also, one more thing, um, that Marcel, he's the real deal. We had some nice conversations and, um, He's into bird watching now, bird feeding now. And look, there's a giant woodpecker on the suet feeder. Anyway, I like Marcel a lot. I like him a lot. He's a really, really good guy. Well done, Nora.